Tonight we'll be discussing, this is one of those things, I, I love talking about God, about the glory of God, about the power of God, about the, the majesty of God. That's like, well, aside from end time rapture stuff, that's, I'm very passionate about that. Because when you get a bigger view of God, it will help you in your day-to-day life. So the title of the message is, Here is Your God. And it will be in Isaiah chapter 40, and we will do most of the chapter. All right, so if you have your Bible, just you don't have to flip all over the place. We'll be in one specific uh, chapter. The reason I want to discuss this is because many people right now in this building are in a whirlwind of circumstance, troubles of all sorts, problems, and maybe people go from problem to problem. We see confusion all around us as a nation. Amen? We see confusion just all over the place. But we need to get back to the God that we serve, to getting a view of the God that we serve. Listen, when you begin to reflect on the glory of God, when you begin to reflect on who God is, it enrages that burning desire to know more of God. It gives you a passion for His glory. That's not just some catchphrase. Really, when you begin to tap in to the majesty of God, it begins to make you want to read more, reach out more. It gives you a a hope. It gives you a reason to press on. When you understand that the reason God created us it's not so we can go get jobs and do all this other, these things that are very important in life. The sole reason that God created us is to worship Him, to honor Him, to adore Him, and for His glory to be seen. Romans 11.36, for everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever. Amen. Now, this could be offensive if you're on the throne of your heart. Because you you might want to hear about you. But if God is on the throne, you want to hear about God. Because if God's on your throne, that's where the power is. That's where the understanding and the ability to go deeper with God is. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. He created you because it simply pleased him to do so. Think about that. You're like, me? You wake up in the morning, morning breath, stuff in your eyes. Your husband or wife may roll over and be like, oh, man, you again? But God created you and is pleased with what he created. That's why talk of suicide is such an offense to God because it attacks his sovereignty. It says, God, you made a mistake, and it takes away pleasure from God. God gets pleasure out of watching you exist, out of watching you do great and mighty things, out of watching you grow, just like a father or mother loves watching their kids run around from the room, room, play with this, play with that. Don't you enjoy that? And that's what God does. He, he looks down, he sees us, he loves us. And even when we talk about things like that, we're saying, God, I don't agree with what you did. 
1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That means anything that you do on this earth, you do first and foremost, not to survive, not to pay your bills, but for the glory of God. When you live a life desiring to give the King of King and Lord of Lords glory in every step that you, every step that you go, it empowers you and it gives you that life more abundantly. See, I always mention this, nothing shall be impossible them, to them that believe. Not because I, I read it in a fortune cookie or not because I've seen all kind of things work out. It's because deep on the inside of me, I know God. I know who he is. I know what he's capable of. And nothing can shake that. I've seen too much. I've experienced too much. I have felt too much. I have, I have seen God do too much. You cannot talk me out of serving an all-powerful, almighty God. It is impossible. When you experience what you experience with the Lord, it dwarfs every circumstance that comes our way. Now, are they big? Yes, they, they're huge, some things. Listen, I've been through some battles Long-term battles, years of disappointment after disappointment after the after crushing blow after blow. And I can tell you, I'm soaring in the presence of God because I believe that there's more. I don't wake up and say, oh man, I wonder if I'm going to get crushed today. I wake up and say, today these things can turn around. Today I can experience the glory of God like never before. In the crushing, you experience the power. And you appreciate God's presence. Now, Israel was about to go into captivity. The northern kingdom had gone into Assyrian captivity. And the southern kingdom, which was comprised of Judah, was going into 70 years of captivity, Babylonian captivity. And Isaiah was, say, was trying to get them to have a bigger view of God. So what I want to do is whatever problem you have, I want you to take that problem, lay it next to what we're about to talk about. And what we're going to do is we're going to enlarge God and you'll see your problem shrink. At least that's what I hope if God allows that. <laughs> that's how it did for me. Now listen, Isaiah 40 verse 9, get yourself up on a high mountain. O Zion, bearer of good news, lift up your voice mightily. O Jerusalem, bearer of good news, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. I like that. So like Isaiah is saying, get yourself up on a high mountain. Dig through the rubble of your circumstance. Dig, propel yourself where you can see the highest view of God. This has to be a willingness. You got to lay down your feelings. The Bible says that we should go up higher. When we climb, you know, when you see Mount Zion, Mount Horeb, all these places, go climb higher. Don't let things in your life taint your view of God. Get out of your pit. Walk up higher. Maybe your, your view of God has been shrunk because of things you've gone through, experiences, take those lenses off. Come on, don't be crumb-eating Christians. I know what that's like. You just, oh, I'm just grateful to be 
pregnant for a month. You know, through all the miscarriages. Oh, I'm glad I get to feel this for. Come on. Yes, yes, that's a circumstance. But let that not be your norm. Take that, lay it down and say, God, I believe for bigger. And it may not even be in this situation. But don't let it drag your view of God through the mud. If you have a small view of God, it will produce small, dutiful worship. Feelings will dictate, circumstances will dictate the level you press in. You serve God, you worship God because he's worthy to be praised. In verse 9, it says, lift up your voice mightily. Don't simply share. Don't simply discuss. I'm talking about this is you in your quiet time when you're battling, when you're praying. Declare it. Get yourself on a high mountain. Share it out loud in your warfare, in your problem. Satan, my God, is bigger then all the hell that could be thrown at me. I bind you in the name of Jesus. That's how you pray. Not, oh, there's Satan. Hey, Satan. I'm just over here, man. I'm not going to do anything. Just stay over there, okay? That's not how we view warfare. We have the power. We have the might. We have the ability because Jesus Christ has given the power of his name, the power of his blood, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, any time the children of Israel lost their high view of God, idolatry crept in. And that's what happens with us. We tried God. We asked God about this. Nothing happened. So I got to go back to this. That's bringing a low view of God and making that situation, that substance, that relationship, whatever it is, that makes it idolatry because that's where you go to for your source. Amen? I mean, I might be talking to a room full of halo-toting Christians, but fix it. (laughs) Listen, we go through stuff, right? Is it just me? Am I the only heathen in here? Look, battle after battle after battle. Sooner or later, you either shrink back and say, oh, this Christian stuff don't work. But if you are paying attention, that is what's propelling you forward in the presence and power of God. Let's look at five points that I want to discuss tonight. And these are questions that Isaiah was asking Israel, and he's asking us this today. Isaiah verse 12, 40 verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by measure and weighed the mountains in a balance? and the heels in a pair of scales. Isaiah is getting them to see God as creator. He's taking the massive power of God and shrinking creation next to to him as mere particles. When you think about the massiveness of creation, that's what Isaiah is doing. He's giving them a reminder because he knows that captivity is coming. Now, if you think about this, if you look at all that it says, he takes the, all the seas and holds them in the palm of his hand. Have you ever been on a cruise, on a boat where you went to sleep, woke up, and you were still in the middle of nowhere? Flying on a plane, you're still over an ocean after four hours? God holds all of that in the palm of his hand. 
the universe. You ever seen how big the universe is? We can't even, we, our telescopes don't even reach all the way. The Bible says that he measures it. This is a, a span right here. God measures it this way. God takes the universe and puts it in between here and says, yeah, that's about the right size. And then calculated the dust. That means he took dust and measured it. All the, all the dust of the earth would, goes on to the big mountains. All over the face of this entire globe, God was able to measure it and distribute it where he wanted that would not touch the earth's axis. And he was able to measure from Mount Everest to a hill in Mississippi and know the exact weight and placement that it should go, that it would not throw the earth off of his axis. Then you look at the oceans. You see the oceans raging. All these waves. God holds those waves like a lion on a leash and tells it how far to go. Look at the sun. It could literally incinerate us. God tells it exactly where to stay. He tells it to blush. And we have winter in the south. And then you look at the moon. God tells the moon, go over there. I don't want to see you again for till it gets dark. I mean, when you think about those things that are draining us, get yourself up on a high mountain and view the presence and power of God. You see, your problems may be the same, but when you enlarge your view of God, it shrinks your problem. Don't let your problem put blockers on you. To where you can't see. Well, I don't believe in healing because this didn't happen. I don't believe in financial breakthrough because I lost everything. Don't let those be blockers. Don't let experience be blockers. In your prayer time, rise up off the bed. Don't say a little five-minute prayer in between falling asleep and waking up. Get up. Walk around your bedroom and declare the glory of God. Declare God's power over your circumstance. It's better than running on the treadmill. It works your spirit out. Some of you may be dealing with problem after problem. People. Family. Demonic strongholds. Say to that situation in your quiet time, here is my God. Listen, don't think God has shrunk. Our view of God shrinks because we get bombarded in the dirt. In the dirt, we just, it comes on, we're just piled under. But like one great theologian has said, what if it's, you're not being piled under, what if you're planted? And you're about to grow out of all the things that are burying you. What if that's God's plan, husband or wife? Your husband or wife's heart is not too hard that God cannot turn that thing. If you, if you have a child that's out in the world, he is not or she is not out of God's eyesight or reach. There's a plot against you. God is not unable to disrupt that plot and expose it. We serve an almighty, all-powerful, defending God. <laughs> Praise God. Number two, God has incomparable wisdom. The Bible says, who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has his counselor has informed him? With whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him the way of understanding? 
See, God is all powerful, but he's all wise. So Isaiah is saying, who taught God? Where did God get his wisdom? Who instructed God on how to handle the situation? See, this is a reflecting time. Isaiah's not waiting for somebody to raise their hand. Uh, that would be so-and-so. He's, he's asking these questions so you can see. So you can put your problem next to this situation. There's no plan B's with God. Nothing catches God by surprise. He's all-knowing. Nothing knocks him off the throne. Anytime a situation comes, he never has to try to figure it out. He doesn't have an emergency staff meeting on how to handle it. He has no public relations. God knows exactly what to do. In your situation, God knows exactly how to handle it. To, for God to be taught knowledge, knowledge has to exist outside of God's realm, and nothing exists outside of God's realm. So no matter what the threat is, whether it's man-made, personal, sickness, no matter what it is, it's not out of God's ability to handle it. Isaiah is saying, who educated God? Whose class did God sit in? Who, 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 who ever asked, who, who did God ever say, hey man, I think I got it covered, but if this happens, what do you think I should do? God never has to do that. He never has a question he can't answer. What's the personal application? Do you think you can explain your situation to God? Can you give God an inroad to your circumstance that he has not already seen? Now, granted, we could give God preferences, but when you really tap into the level of going in all in with God, you begin to trust God regardless of what you see and you begin to say, God, I don't even have a preference in this because I know that your plan is perfect. It comes out of the perfect will of God, out of the perfect mind of a perfect God and it's perfect every single time, no matter what. <laughs> Praise God. So Isaiah is also asking, who taught God about justice? See, we see a lot of injustice. You see some people, <laughs> they think they're going to pray for the Antichrist and the false prophet. People think they have more compassion than God. <laughs> I'm going to get off of that. You know, the Canaanites, when it came in and God told David to destroy them, they'd be like, no, nah, man, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Some things, if you read the Bible, are not going to change. That's God's plan. It's perfect. It's 100%. We just need to get on board with it. We can have complete faith that God's going to work it out every single time perfectly. And the things that we don't understand, the Bible says in Genesis, will not the God of all the earth or the judge of all the earth do what is right? You know why we can have faith that God will handle any situation? Because he's incapable of making mistakes. He cannot do that. It's like trying to fight against God's justice. It's like a South Louisiana mosquito trying to sting a granite wall. It won't happen. Some mosquitoes might. I mean, let me. <laughs> he laid out the time frame. The reason I'm telling you this is because you may have been faced with injustice. And it may be keeping you up at night. 
You may be saying, God, I want Adam. And God is saying, let me handle it. Release them, forgive them. I will handle it perfectly. What we do is we get in the way and God says, all right, stew on it. But as soon as you back off, I can deal with the situation. What I need you to do is be Christ-like, love this person, and you never know. When you sit down with someone and you're ready to cut their head off, you don't know if God already dealt with their heart to want to make it right with you. But we go in there, guns blazing, swords, ninja stars, blow darts, ready to just take out somebody. And God's like, I was going to save that person, actually. You know why we know God is perfect? He was able to justify you and me without having a smidget or stain on his name by sending Jesus Christ to make us righteous while we were at war with God. God has a perfect track record. Perfect. Remember the outlook that they were going into was they were seeing a situation that's down the road. That's why I'm telling you this. You may see something that you're not liking down the road that's coming. Get a bigger view of God. Know that God is already there and he's able to put you a path and tell you how to walk through it. And when it starts to get deep, he will give you some, he'll inflate your legs or something and you'll be able to float, but you won't go under. <laughs> Listen. God's, <laughs> that was cute. God's indescribable wisdom is perfect for every circumstance. His timing and his ability is perfect because he's perfect. Okay? So number three, God's glory is second to none. Isaiah 40 verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the island's like fine dust. In other words, all the nations that have ever existed, if they were to exist at one time with all the power, richness, military fierceness, the, the size of massive armies combining with military might of Alexander the Great, all of the people that would get together to make war with God, it would be like dust on a scale. Dust would not even measure. It wouldn't even register on a scale. That's how powerful God is. Job 42.2, it says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. What's the life application? God can do anything in your life. And it doesn't matter if so-and-so is doing something or so-and-so is trying to block you. God can kick that thing open, kick that door open. He can kick the hinges off that thing. See, Job had the right perspective. That's why he was able to honor God and, and make it through what he was going through. So what with, with Isaiah is saying, if you had a bucket and you were to fill that bucket up all the way to the very top and a piece of water, is there such thing as a piece of water? A drop of water, thank you, Josie. <laughs> a drop of water were to come off of the bucket and land onto let's just say South Louisiana summer asphalt, it would dis disappear. All of that is like a drop from a bucket, the Bible says. <laughs> it's amazing. What, what this is saying is the influence is nothing to God. 
God's not scared of Iran. He's not scared of all these. He's not scared of our election coming up. He's not scared of anything. So you can have faith in that strong tower that is God. God is never codependent, waiting to see what we figure out. God is, he has perfectly scripted history, the present and the future. Now it says, like, the, the islands are like find us. That means the most beautiful place you could go to that's absolutely mesmerizing is like fine dust. Not even dust. <laughs> fine dust compared to his glory and beauty. You ever been on a, on a beach and you're like, wow, this is amazing. That's fine dust to God. And I think of this when I think about heaven. I think of all the beauty and you know, the way the world is today, and even though some things are still beauty, it's, it's fine dust to God when you step through those gates and you see the glory that is before us. You know, if you look at just the domino effect of things, there's a, a gazillion things that could go wrong, and one would affect all, everything. But God is not at all shaken by that. God is able to, to watch over that and protect that so it doesn't happen. So all of that what can God do in your life? I'm trying to enlarge your view and put your full confidence and trust in God. Hope thou in God. Trust God. And I don't say that as just some flippant statement when people are absolutely going through the worst thing. I'm telling you, trust God no matter what is going on. Isaiah 40 verses 16 and 17. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. And look, it says, and they are regarded by him as less than nothing, meaningless. Now you're saying, well, God loves people. It's not talking about that. Remember, Israel was going into captivity and Isaiah was saying, I know them guys are bad. But what God, what Isaiah was doing, he's taking creation and he's shrinking it down. And now he's taking these people and putting them on particles of what's created and putting them within even even smaller particles. So he's saying as big as the earth is, as big as the universe is, what's bothering you is even smaller than the particles I just described in the first couple of verses. That's amazing. All these sacrifices, the cedars of Lebanon are huge. If you took all the animals in a burnt offering, it would not be enough to enunciate the glory of God is what is what he's saying. Remember in the, in the first chapter of Isaiah, they were burning all these offerings, doing all these things that God wasn't even recognizing it because their heart was not right. They were going through the motion. So listen, in your circumstance, concentrate on God's ability, not your circumstances' abilities. Oh, it could go this way. It could go that way. It could go that Well, God could smash the whole thing and blaze another trail that you didn't see. Listen, when you look at God's plan for your life and you see, and you, you, you try to go this way and it's like, uh, try to go this way, uh, and God's just constantly, and you get mad at these parameters, that's God's way of keeping you in this path that he has for you. And when you begin to say, okay, well, if this is about the glory of God, then I seek his purpose, his plan, I rather that plan, so bring on the parameters. And then you'll see speed bumps. And you'll say, oh, God's just after me. The devil's after me. Something's happening. No, God's trying to maybe propel you. You're looking at it as a speed bump. But if you like New Iberia, them speed bumps don't mean anything. They mean this is something I could jump. 
Isaiah 40, verses 18 through 20. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman cast it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. So God is saying, who is like me? Because remember, they had, fa- they had false gods all around them. And the answer is no one. And then he says, the gold and the silversmith, meaning the rich, can form an idol. Then he says, the impoverished, the poor may have an idol. But if you think about it, no matter what idol, they can do nothing for you. All an idol is good for is to place about 20 yards away and use it as target practice. That's how I feel, man. I don't have tolerance for false gods. We have a lot of false gods in our own life. Whatever you're running to as a source of of peace, as a source of power, and it's not God, it's a false idol. We create false gods in our mind. We even create literature. People kill themselves thinking they're doing God a a, a, a favor, and they're doing nothing but hurting themselves. And walking away from the very presence of God. God is trying to save people. Look, we get so wrapped up in these thoughts that, well, this God may get you to heaven. This, listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the door. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not intolerance. Jesus said that. And if you love people, you tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. You have to have your full faith confidence and trust in Jesus Christ if you want to go to heaven. It's been that way. It's always been that way. And it always will be that way. The choice is yours. Now, point number four, God's sovereignty. Isaiah 40, verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? This is what Isaiah is saying. You know this. You know this. You don't remember the deliverance? You don't remember how God showed up? But what was happening is they were losing their view of God. I think Peter would utter the same thing today. Stirring us up by the way of reminder. When you came to God, that, that awestruck feeling you had. Listen, that don't have to go. We're supposed to be like they sang earlier, going from glory to glory to glory. That means we're pressing in, we're moving forward, things are coming our way. We stop, we grieve, we do what we do, we keep moving forward, we keep going. As you do that, you start to sense more of the presence of God. You begin to get more mature in God. You begin to read the Bible and not throw it off to the side and be mad at a verse. But you say, okay, I see that verse is very challenging. I'm up for the challenge. And I want to walk it out because I know that your word is perfect and it will get me through whatever circumstance I'm going through. No matter what, though the earth shake and I fall right through a crack, I'm going to heaven. Though a tsunami come right up here from Sippamore Point and hit my house on 1008 Trotter, I'm going to heaven. What can happen? To live is Christ, to die is gain. When you don't fear death, May not like how you die. I'll give you that. But when you don't fear death, 
What can Satan do to you? That's how you can stand in a Roman Colosseum and be ripped apart by lions and glorify God. Because you have pushed into a level that we in America have no clue about. It's abandonment saying, God, it does not matter. I am all in. And if I'm not all in, I'm trying to get all in. Thank you for your conviction. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your leading and your guidance. I know you're not trying to be mad. I know you don't hate me. I know you're not trying to beat me over the head. You're trying to get me closer to you. And I appreciate that because you're the God of the universe. You're all powerful and you care about little old me from New Iberia, Louisiana. And you from Scott or Lafayette or Abbeville or Karen Crow or the boot, wherever. God cares for you. You're his number one priority. He's watching you. He's guiding you. He's loving you. He's empowering you. He's walking with you. He's lifting you up all the time, not just when you feel like it, not when you had your quiet time, not when you went through a service like Sunday at 11. Praise God. <laughs> but like that all the time, all the time, even tonight, all the time. God is never like, ah, that's it, I'm done. Pick up your toys, I'm done. No, Daddy, wait. God's never that way. He's saying, hey, come see, I want to show you something. See that? Let's not do that anymore. Love you. <laughs> all right, let's keep going. <laughs> Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he who sits above the fault, the vault of the earth, and the inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out to dwell in. He was giving them comfort, saying, all these Babylonians, they're like grasshoppers. They're nothing. They're, they're absolutely nothing. I always picture it like, you know, you see an ant pile in your yard, and you walk by and you're like, oh, little family, and they're doing everything, and man, they're working hard, and those chips I ate last night, there's one, and they're just carrying it to their little nest. And don't you just want to say, I'm just not going to kill these. Or sometimes, you know, you're like, ah, oh, look how small that is, and you just move it. <laughs> okay, that's, that's pointless. But I was just saying, think about all the work, and look at what we as humans can do to these things. So the enemies of God, God was saying they're like grasshoppers. Nothing. But you see, I like what it says here is that he's seated on the, on the, on the, the circle of the earth. The earth is his footstool. Why is he seated? Because he's not concerned or worried by any problem that is out of his reach. And the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and we are seated in heavenly places. That means we have authority and power over our situations when we join up with God Almighty. So the Bible says that he will keep our minds in perfect peace when our mind is steadfast on him. That's why they say relax, God is on the throne. Really, we could relax in terms of worry and not sure, if, is this thing going to work out? We just keep our faith in God. We say, God, your will, your way, I, I submit myself to you. And we can expect God to work that out, and he'll tell us where he needs us. He'll tell, tell us when we need to talk, when we need to shut up. He'll probably tell us to shut up a lot. So he's all-powerful and all-authority. Are you getting this? Isaiah 40, 23 and 24, It is he who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. 
Scarcely they have been planted. Scarcely they have been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But merely he blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them away like stubble. Think of that. That is, okay, rulers, headships, the Hitlers, all of these people that rode through the, on the stage of world history. They come scarcely, barely planted. It's kind of like a petunia. You take a petunia, you plant it, it dies, you pluck it up. All the power that's against God, that's against us, that's against Israel, all of these people that have occupied headships of, of powerful states throughout all of the earth, they're scarcely planted, uprooted, and meaningless, pointless, nothing. That's God saying, I am over everything. It's like an hibiscus that grows in your front yard and it's been there. How many years was it? <laughs> Eight or ten years. And it just grows up. You trim it. It grows. And I, eventually I got tired of looking out the window, watching the cars pass like a dog. And that thing was obstructing my view. So eventually I prayed. Eventually it died because of a, a, a winter that came through and it shriveled it up, died, and I just plucked it out. Think about that. That is how powers that, that try to wreak havoc on God's people, that try to exhort their power over God, that's how God views them. And he orchestrates all of this perfectly. But the, my favorite part is point number five, the amazing grace of God. That's where I want to stop because we're about to end. Why do you say, O Jacob, my way is hidden from you, from the Lord? And the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up, with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. See, God's grace is available in every circumstance. And you get to a point like they did. Oh, God, do you see me? Do you notice me? They said, is our way hidden from you, Lord? And God is saying, no. I've said that. God, you forgot about me. Have you ever said that? But God, what about me? God, I hadn't felt you in a while. Are you still here? You know what discontentment is? It's a gift from God. It's God saying, come see. You're coming to me on my terms. I'm not coming on your terms. The Bible says, when you seek me with all your heart. Why do you do that? Because you're tired, you're discontent, you don't like it the way it is. So you press in, that's it, I'm done. I'm not being divided anymore, I'm going all in. That's when God says, now you're talking my language. And it says, when you seek me, you will find me. So that's what God was saying. The, the, the children of Israel deserve to go into Babylonian captivity. But God was still saying that I'm with you, I will comfort you, I will guide you through this. Have you ever said, God, is this all there is? Really, God, is this all, all there is? 
I give my life to you, and this is all I get, some goosebumps during quiet time. And you know what God would tell you? No, that's not all there is. Why don't you lay Facebook down and press in? Why don't you turn the TV off and press in? Because I got a lot to say to you. And I'm not saying it's bad stuff. But sometimes we need to be reminded. we like, God, do you love me? And it's like, yeah, if we could talk, I would shower you with my presence. If you would, you know, stop giving me a list, I can tell you what I was planning on doing. Do that with your wife. Do that with your husband. Hey, babe, I need you to cook some eggs. I'm going to do this. I need you to pick this up. Can you wash this shirt? Can you make, okay, love you, bye, and walk out. Your relationship will not be too good. But how about just sit down and say, let's talk. And let them share. You share. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It says, it says in verse 31, to wait on the Lord. You know what that means? In the midst of all the stressors that are coming, wait on the Lord. You renew your strength. It's taking old garments off and putting on new garments. That's what it means. But listen, this is what happens. Problem after problem after problem after problem. And we like, it's only 12 o'clock. Listen, problem, stop. Give it to God. Problem, stop. Give it to God. Problem, stop. Give it to God. Problem, that's what it means to cast it on him. Not give it like God deal with this. It's just God, I don't know how to handle this. I'm going to pray about it. Then you come back to what you're doing. That's what you do throughout the day. We get caught up like, i got to pray an hour about this specific thing. No, you go to God and say, God, man, my boss is coming. I really need you to help me with this. I appreciate it. We will talk later. And then the next, you know, you come back, you're like, God, thank you so much. I'm, you know, prayer is an all-day thing. We, we put it down to in the morning when we get up, and then at night before we go to bed, just in case we die and don't go to hell. That's what we make prayer. Open your prayer in the morning, glorify God, get to work, glorify God. If you have a problem, God, this is, man, this is huge. God's like, everything is small to me, Kelly. No matter what problem it is, it's small to me. So when you know that, it's like, I know that, God, that's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm giving this to you, because nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is outside of your reach. Listen, don't shrink back. Move forward with God. Wait on the Lord means to firmly trust and to unload that weight that is on you, that one that is crushing you, and move it over and give it to God. And thank God for his abilities to deal with it. That's how we gain new strength. Then it says we will be like eagles. We will soar over the problems. I can think, I think about this with my dad. You know, my dad was dying. He went from singing up here to a cane. We had a cane before that. Then he went to a walker, to a bed, to where he couldn't even turn over anymore. We'd have to turn him over. But I saw the grace of God and am still walking in the grace of God that I cannot explain to you. That's the, that's the, 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 the strength when you wait on the Lord. 
My dad would pray, Lord, I know that this is going to be difficult for them. Sustain them. Give them grace. Empower them. And we, it's like we question, is something wrong with me? No, God's answering prayers that have been prayed. And you're walking in the grace of God. When you see my dad fading away, but his spirit climbing that mountain. And he's able to say, here is my God. That he is able to deliver me from death. But I can tell you that. You know why he was able to do that? Going back to Isaiah 40, verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Remember that verse we read? You know who did that? A 33-year-old carpenter named Jesus. He climbed a hill called Calvary. He got up where all creation can see. He is the bearer of good news. The sun hid its face. Darkness covered the land. The earth belly ached, cried in sadness as he was sitting there between two thieves. Remember, he is the bearer of good news. And he said, lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem. Do not fear. You know why? Because he stretched out his hands. So we would not have to fear judgment. We would not have to fear the wrath of God. God poured all of his wrath and emptied it on the cross where Jesus took every payment for us. He climbed that mountain. He declared. He lifted up his voice mightily. Then he says, say to the cities of Judah, say to those that were in captivity and that were going to be in captivity. That's Israel, but that's also us. We were born in captivity. And so we know that Jesus was on that cross, on that hill, and he's declaring that we don't have to be afraid. And you know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know what he was saying? Here is God. Can we stand? You know, when I think about this, it just, it just excites me. Because when you read a verse of scripture and the Lord just begins to show you, the reason you can believe this and stand on this is because I've done it. I made the way. I empowered you. Could you imagine as Jesus is laying there on the, being nailed to a cross, the very creator that flung the stars in the sky, the very creator that breathed on dust and created human beings, that God allowed his hands to be tied by the created because he loved us, because he knew there's no other way because I want you in heaven with me. Not only that, I want to empower you while you're here. I want to help you. Is that the, do you understand that God is not like crawl, do this, do that? No, God is saying, listen, read your Bible. This is who I am. Here is your God. If you're going into any type of struggle, you read Isaiah, you read that God's mighty, powerful. He can, it doesn't matter if it's a world ruler problem. It doesn't matter if it's sickness. It doesn't matter if it's circumstance, if it's people, no matter what it is, God is able. He's saying, get yourself up where you can see God's glory and power and understand that I am almighty, I am all powerful, nothing is impossible with me. 
That's what God is telling us. So I want you to see all, whatever problem you have, it should be a tiny pebble right now. Throw that at the feet of Jesus and go to bed. Go to sleep and know that your God is handling this situation. That's right, he's handling this situation. It does not matter how big it is. Pray about it, give it to God, and act when he tells you to act. Now, I said all that to say, if God took everything upon himself, including death for us, will he not help you in the day-to-day? Absolutely. Now, you may be here and you may not know about Jesus, whom I'm speaking of. And you could say, I have no idea. All I know is religion, but I want to know Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I just want to see your hand. And I'm going to pray with you after the service. I know we're here on a Wednesday night. There's plenty of people that are here that are, that are saved. But I don't want to close the service without giving you an opportunity. If you would say that I have not given my life to Jesus and I want to know more about God, I just want to simply see your hand. Praise God. Good. Everybody in here knows the Lord. Now listen, this is the second part. If you're dealing with a situation, I want you to go home tonight, bring it before the Lord, and say, God, I know that you are mighty. I know that you are able to heal. I know that you're able to deliver. I know that nothing is impossible. I know that I'm nervous about the future, but I know that you're already there. So God, I trust whatever you want to do in my life. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your might. I thank you for your leading and your guidance. And I put my full faith and trust in your abilities to guide me. Now, God, I thank you right now for what you're doing. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes me right with you. Thank you, Lord. And then go to sleep. Sleep peacefully. Wake up tomorrow morning. Worship God. Thank God. Read his word. As you begin to read, you'll see things to apply. Apply them. And you will notice as you are consistent in your walk with God, you will go from glory to glory to glory. I want to pray with you. Father, we just thank you for this time in your word. God, we honor you. We honor your word. Father, I just ask that you would seal this word in their hearts, in their minds. God, be with them as they go their separate ways. Father, we thank you right now for your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.